When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating to help other people find us. We've still got all of the series-by-series updates you love, plus the plus your favorite Bleacher banter. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about why the Pirate Series is the most critical series the Cubs have had with their longest-standing division foe in years for Bleed Cubby Blue and more. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Oh, I'm feeling so nervous facing our tough division rivals, the Pittsburgh Pirates. The long-standing rivalry continues as we butt heads on the north side of Chicago. It's wild, isn't it, that like this is how you have to make up ground in the division right now is by beating the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, they're in first place. That's all I'm going to say. Like, I, they are the first place Pittsburgh Pirates, or they, at least they were yesterday. I have no idea what the Brewers did. Are they still the first place Pittsburgh Pirates? They are Pirates? still the first place Pirates. The Brewers have now lost five straight games, including getting swept by the Oakland A's. So, I mean, hey, Cubs right now, after that victory last night, are five and a half out. Like, you have five games against the Pirates in this this next coming week, like we we got two more here, then we got three over there uh, next week, and this whole division could get turned on its head real quick because you got a lot of mediocrity all bunched together. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like I, I was feeling like the Cubs maybe had some must win games on the West Coast road trip that didn't go particularly well. They went four and six. It would have looked better if you had just looked at the Padres series and the Giants series on its own. You're like, oh, you split with the Padres. You took two or three from the Giants if you didn't have that like angel sweet sandwiched in the middle. And yet, even after what was not a very good road trip, the Cubs come back. They started the series with the Pirates six and a half games out of the division. They won game one of that series on a tie-on day. Winning on tie-on day just feels like found money, man. Like I'm at the point where I'm like, oh man, Jamison tie-on. Jamison and Tyon won a game. What, what is this? What is this new crazy reality? Um, I don't know. I, I feel, I, I'm not going to call it optimistic. The Cubs could very easily just lose the next two games to the Pirates and not do well against the Orioles and be out of it and sellers at the trade deadline and all that jazz. Or they could keep doing what they did on uh, Tuesday night at Wrigley Field. And if they do, they're going to make Jed Hoyer's job really hard at the trade deadline because he's going to have a team hovering around 500 that has shown moments of brilliance and moments of weakness, and he's not going to be able to sell off like he wants to. I mean, I'll push back on that a little bit. I, I've seen moments of weakness. I don't know that I've seen moments of brilliance. Well, maybe. Kyle Hendricks near no-hitter. Marcus Stroman. But see, that's the issue. Is like you've got nearly expiring contracts here. Hendo, too. If you're, yeah. if you're going to dial it all back, you know, and kick the can down on the road any further then any great performance in these moments of, of brilliance are just become, uh, 
I guess lottery tickets, you turn them into lottery tickets of prospects down the road. But like, how many more times are we going to do, do this and think this way? You know, it's like yesterday, like we should maybe tell people the reason we did not record yesterday in between the series is, is because I went down to uh, the lost boys headquarters down in the South shore neighborhood of Chicago and uh, Marcus Stroman went down there and I was invited by our friend Levante who runs the Lost Boys, which is an awesome organization that runs a baseball program for kids and it's socio emotional learning. And it's it just a basically a community center surrounded uh, by baseball. Marcus Stroman uh, has been in touch with Levante and he came in yesterday and read from his new book. So I was invited down there and you're telling me that like. That's the guy that you're just going to like trade for some more lottery tickets at the trade deadline just because he's good because you haven't figured out how to spend $175 million on a halfway decent ball club that can compete in this division. And so you're just going to trade off assets yet once again for the third straight year. I mean, you know, Marcus is down there. Like he's a now becoming like the fabric of Chicago. He's hanging out with our dude Levante. He's like, you know, He's, he's uh, has a social concert consciousness in a city that needs him. And you know, that stuff matters to fans. It matters a lot. It matters maybe more than the baseball on the field, the weather and whether we like you are the two reasons we will show up. Like we kind of don't care if you win or lose. We prefer to sing go Cubs go at the end of the game. But honestly, this under way under 500 team is going to pack him in all weekend against the Orioles. You know, they will because the weather's nice. Period. End of story. I mean, actually, this might would rate a little bit, but I, but you know, if it was really nice, they pack it in. Tickets be a million dollars. Beer bats flying off the the shelves at thirty bucks a pop. And then you can't. You tell me you can't afford uh, an extension with Marcus Stroman, who's everybody's saying is old, but it's not that old. Well, he's not old for starters. Like thirty two is not that old. Uh, I, I understand that pitchers do have aging curves and all that jazz, but it seems like I don't know. You could work out a three or four year deal there pretty easily and just pay the man. He's done a good job. Um, I'm looking at his game logs right now over on Fangraphs. That he has five quality starts in a row, including a complete game, one hit shutout, and an eight inning, four hit, two run. Uh, encounter versus the Mets. Uh, that shutout, by the way, was against the Tampa Bay Rays, who are far and away the best team in baseball right now. I mean, you don't have a spot for that dude. And he is, I am here for this. And also I've seen this movie before and I know how it ends. Like he is out on social media, basically saying, I want to stay. My side has tried to engage the Cubs front office in extension talks. We've heard crickets. And he is point blank said that the reason he's putting that out there is because he sees how these narratives get started and what ends up happening as the summer goes on and as the trade deadline approaches and how Jed Hoyer's front office does not say things. They are the most opaque and, oh yeah, we're working on it. We like him too. We'll see what happens as we get closer. Like they are consultants at the core who do not want to tell you the actual truth that is going on. And Stroman's having none of it. He's like, I want the community to know where I stand. And I just have to say, I, I read all of that with a hefty dose of he watched Wilson Contreras get jobbed and was like, I am not going to have that happen to me. Yeah. And now Wilson might be at a position where they might have wanted to go a different direction, you know, just because they wanted the the quote unquote, uh, you know, I know that you'll push back on this, but like the quote unquote veteran uh, defensive first catcher. Any yes, man. 
possibly to the front office, somebody that wasn't going to go their own way at, at certain times. But Marcus Stroman is at a highly sought after uh, position of starting pitcher. Uh, it is the most expensive position, usually at, at its elite levels on the team. So the dude's going to get paid somewhere. You know, but I'm like, why not Chicago? You want to try to talk to Otani? You want to try to talk to even these, maybe even lesser free agents like Julio Urias, who's been on a bunch of, uh, on the Dodgers for all these years. You know, he doesn't want to go to a team that's playing to kick the can down the road for a little bit longer. Who would? It's not just about Otani coming to the team and getting free agents. you got to show people that you're dead serious, that you're willing to spend some money, and you're willing to, to put, uh, you know, even if it's a bad contract, even if, like, you know, let's say Marcus Stroman, they sign him, they spend a hundred million dollars, they give him uh, three years and an opt and an opt out, and, or at the fourth or whatever it's going to be. You know, let's say you you sign him till he's he's uh, till he's uh, thirty five years old. You know, I I'm sorry, even if that's a bad contract, you are signaling to the rest of the league and all the other players that you're dead serious about competing in in a real way to be to compete with your Padres and your Mets, who, by the way, are spending a lot of money for not a lot of output. But, uh, you know, at the, then the other extreme is the race. But you have to pay talent. And they have been unwilling to do it. Jason Hayward's still the largest contract. Even they paid Jason Hayward in 10 years ago dollars more than they paid Dansby Swanson in this year dollars. So, you know, and so they took the third, to, and it's been going fine. Like Dansby's been great, you know. Like some of those other shortstops who are in the market aren't doing so hot, but you know, we'll see how things shake out. I don't think they stick that way, and um, you know, I just Marcus Stroman, if not him, then who? So these moments no, of greatness. The other one is Drew Smiley, almost pitched a freaking no hitter, and he's the other one that's on the bubble. It's like, no, nah, we don't need. No, we're gonna. We're going to hand the ball over to rookies like Caleb Killian, who's never shown that he could handle it at the big league level. Assad, this is your starting rotation of the future, people. If we don't, you know, Justin Steele will be at the top of it, hopefully. But, you know, Kyle's on his way out. If, if you don't do something, I mean, who will pitch? Ben Brown, everybody's saying, oh, we got Ben Brown. I'm like, you don't know if Ben Brown's good. You don't know. We have no idea. And also, like, I've seen this movie with Hayden Wisniewski. Like, does anybody willing to, like, just turn the keys over to Hayden Wisniewski right now? In fact, let's just get into these Giants games really fast because we'll a lot of what we're talking about is in these Giants game recaps. Uh, Strowman was great in the first game. They won three to two. He threw six and two-thirds innings, six hits, two runs. They were both earned. He had pulled more walks than normal, four of them. Five strikeouts. Lighter and Azalei closed out the game like the champions that they are game two, Kyle Hendricks uh, almost threw a no hitter through eight innings, one hit baseball. And Julian Merriweather has emerged as a guy who I feel pretty good when he comes into games right now. He's, he's been striking out a ton of guys, missing a lot of bats. And aside from some hiccups early in the season, seems great. But these first two games, that is, that is the recipe for the Cubs to win. It is what Stroman did. It is what Hendricks did. And you just run that back again and again and again. And it was on display against a Giants team that isn't terrible. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the Cubs starting pitching has to be near perfect because it's not like they're knocking the cover off the ball. I mean, they did score four runs in the Hendo win, so he didn't have to be super fine with everything. Um, but, yeah, in the Stroman win, it, 
on Friday, that was abs. You know, he kind of had to be dead perfect. Uh, you know, there was no margin for error. He did, you know, give up what just one one run, or did are both those runs on Stroh in that uh, game? two runs. Both yeah, runs get, were on Stroh. I yeah, think but, it was like a runner on type of situation or something. Right. Well, he had, but he had to go deep into the game. Six, yeah, six point two innings. It, he had to go pretty deep into the game to get that done. You cannot be handing this over to the bullpen. Although, like you know, Lighter Junior pretty much has been. There's three guys: Lighter Junior, Alzali, and like you say, Merriweather. Except for his first start of the season, throw that away or not start, but you know, relief appearance where he stunk. You know, he's been really good, but almost everybody else in there has a lot of stinkers on. We got tons of dudes with their ERAs in the fives. Which when we get to Game Three, you know, that is exactly what that's. You look up and down the ERAs of of that group of guys. It's like. They're all in the fives and sixes. Like it's Brandon Hughes. It's it's uh, Fulmer, who's been better, but is like, you know, dig, he dug himself a huge hole at the beginning of this year. But yeah, they, you, they've had to be super fine. You know, Cubs managing to scratch out runs, like they're getting their runs on like outs and stuff like that. And, you know, and they're leaving a lot of runners on as well. Like their scoring position situation has not been great. On Saturday, it was the homers. You got Mervis going deep, and uh, was it Morell? Yeah, yeah, and- Christopher Morell, who has hit two home runs in like five plate appearances because he can't earn a spot in the lineup after he heats up. It drives me nuts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so yeah, so Morell's hot again. I mean, he had took a couple weeks off, but he's he seems to be kind of back, and maybe you know what he was you know, thinking about or working on, he, he started, and this is interesting about Morel because he started, I predicted his home run on Saturday night, by the way, and I predicted it by what happened on Friday night, which was he hit the ball. He was, he got out, he took a walk and he's been walking a little bit, which is, that's huge. If Christopher Morel starts walking, that means they got to come in there and uh, give him something to hit eventually. And so he, but he hit the ball as well. None of his outs were strikeouts. He went 0 for 4 with a walk and no outs were strikeouts on Friday night. And I'm like, okay, he's due. Now he's gonna he's gonna come through and he's gonna hit a ball over the wall or off the wall, but he's gonna hit it hard. He's gonna hit it and get start getting some real hits. And that's exactly what happened the next night. And I don't know why they're not giving him more chances. I, I I'm I have fatigue, Sarah. I'm I'm fatigued. I'm tired of looking at the lineup like last night's lineup. Dude. With, which, by the way, they did not start really winning this game until they replaced everybody with who should have been in there in the first place, which was Christopher Morrell, which was, you know, some of your heavy hitters. They did not start. They, they Yeah, let's a lot. talk about. Boney, and it was back, and I don't know why, except for that he is a baseball player that has a contract with the Chicago Cubs. It's the only reason I could think. Well, let's talk about this first Pirates game. Normally, uh, we'd be previewing the entire Pirates series, obviously, but not right now. A a couple of things. Let's talk about the lineup first, because the lineup is just like, what is even going on right here? I have to scroll a bunch because there was a ton of uh, weird rain delay content here. So Talkman, who's been all right in center field. um, Honestly, he's been pretty effective and I'm fine with Talkman in the lineup. I don't know about him leading off, but I'm fine with him in the lineup. Nico, Suzuki, Hap, Swanson, Mervis, like that's all pretty standard. Um, but the seven, eight, nine, Mastroboni as your designated hitter, Nick Madrigal and Tucker Barnhart is just, I, it is honestly well, just, uh, it's bad, Danny. Like and, the, the seven yeah. to nine spot is bad. And that is with Tucker Barnhart having a rare two for four evening. There was a moment in this game 
where Jan Gomes pinch hit, I think, for Nick Ma- Nick Madrigal, Master no, Boney. Yeah. I don't even remember. Master Boney, yeah. Master Boney. He pinch hit for the designated hitter. And when I looked up, I was like, oh, of course, like Jan Gomes is going to come in to catch. But no, because he had pinch hit for the designated hitter. Now he's the designated hitter. I'm like, wait, we have two catchers who can't hit in the lineup at the same time on purpose in a one-run game? What is going on? Yeah. Well, it didn't end up being a one-run game at the no, end. No, but it was it, but when the yeah. Gomes decision was made. Yeah, exactly, because this game, I mean, first of all, Pittsburgh was, well, Cubs got, Pittsburgh gets a run. Jack Swinsky hits the two home runs for the Pirates in this game. But Ian Happ, though, with a big blast, which was nice to see him get a little power stroke, three-run homer, put the Cubs up. But then it was three to two for, yeah, quite some time. And then they matched each other with each with runs in the sixth inning. And it wasn't until, like, the seventh where the kind of wheels fell off for the Pirates and the Cubs were, you know, pulled away. But, no, I agree. So you're playing this tight. But more like the question is the lineup. And also I'll add that Magical did go two for four as well. So, you know. I get it. We're, we're idiots. We don't really know what we're talking about, but it's, this is a day after a day off. And my only problem with really it all, because this is the, uh, with it at, at all is the fact that Christopher, Christopher Morell is not playing in like any one of those guys that you mentioned, like especially miles Mastromoni, when you have a DH, he Christopher Morell's hit right. He's well, just as well as lefties. In fact, I think the last time I looked, he was a little bit better against righties. So I don't know why you don't let him be a DH. I can understand why you don't want him to play in the field. But Miles Mastroboni, who went over three in this game with a strikeout looking, has a 440 OPS. That's your DH. Just let the pitchers hit, for God's sakes. Tyone at least could run into one. Maybe he knows how to bunt. Master Boney doesn't know how to do that either. He popped it up. Like, you know, they were playing small ball, trying to get some runs across. They didn't need to. They ended up getting home runs at the end, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a wild game on uh Tuesday night for this opener. I, there's just a bunch of stuff here that I kind of want to dive into um, before we get to a break and preview the rest of the series, talk through what's going on with this Cubs team, what's going on in and around the league. But I, so a couple of things. Number one, hat tip to Jamison Tyon, who saved what I think is his best outing of the season so far for his former team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Jamison Tyon went six innings, six hits, three runs. They were all earned. A um, couple of long home runs. Jack Sawinski kind of teed off a couple of times. Jack Sawinski hit one of the most impressive home runs that I have seen with my own two eyes at Wrigley Field, his second home run bounced off the top of the scoreboard, the the big scoreboard in right where Kyle Schwarber hit a ball on top of it in 2015 in the NLDS. Um, So ball hit the top of that bounced onto Sheffield. Like I don't remember the last time I saw a ball make it to Sheffield with my own eyes, but I saw it last night. Uh, Swinsky basically owns Tyone. I had looked this up for Cubs pod when I previewed it um, yesterday and he is four for five against Tyone with three home runs. So he had already had a home run off of Tyone. <laughs> he currently has an OPS of 3.433 in the smallest of sample sizes, but still he absolutely owns him. But against the rest of the pirates, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, Tyone mostly owns them, uh, especially Carlos Santana, who he's seen quite a bit of um, 0 for 16. Whew. Uh, 
So yeah, so he saves it. I, I mean, it. I think Tyone does save it a little bit for his old team. Like he gets it up. So I don't know. Maybe what do you have to do? Like make him pretend that he played for whoever we're facing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. They, I don't know about that. Respected him. I don't think that that's a. I don't think that's a sustainable solution. Um, the other no. thing that I liked about this game quite a bit actually is that the bullpen, all of it, was very good. Julian Merriweather came in, uh, was effective. Totally handled his inning, got his stuff done. Mark Leiter, no drama. Anthony Kay, uh, the lefty who was called up because I think is Brandon Hughes on the IL again, or is he in AAA? I don't. I did he not is. catch all the roster moves. Yeah, yeah. Hughes went to the IL again. His leg is messed up. I I think still, which is sad because that you know he's a lefty and we just haven't had that. Do we even have a lefty again now? Or Anthony is Kay is a lefty. Oh, okay. All right, Anthony Kay is a lefty. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Well, hopefully somebody's going to work coming out of the Iowa because pretty much as except for the three guys I mentioned before, Alzali and Leiter Jr. and Merriweather, uh, everybody else has been pretty darn terrible. And I I wouldn't expect that much out of Kay either, you know, no, I mean, but he was good last night with an eight run lead. He was no drama, got three outs. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, just to give you an idea, at Iowa, he had a 450 ERA. But he did have 32 strikeouts in 28 innings and um, 15 walks. That's kind of a lot. That's a lot of walks. Yeah. But he was fine yesterday. That's all I'm saying. Like, there was no drama yesterday. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like the Cubs have dug themselves such a big hole that, like, in order for them to cr- to climb out of it, they're, they aren't going to be able to coast at all this season. Um, they're going to have to fight, fight, fight if they want any bite at the at the apple here. Um, Speaking of home runs that landed on the street, Christopher Morell comes in to pin, uh, to play left field for Ian Happ. Ian Happ had his calf tighten up on him. I heard on the post game show um, while he was running the bases. And so when the Cubs uh, had that big seventh inning and were up eight to three, they decided to just pull Ian Happ out of the game, put Christopher Morell in as a defensive replacement. He wound up coming up in or coming up in the eighth inning. So big seventh inning, Morell comes up in the eighth inning and just hits a no doubt moonshot to Waveland. Like just a, and I can't even tell you the thing about Christopher Morell that impresses me so much um, as at this game with our friend Ken Schultz, who has been on the pod before. That swing is easy power. Like it's a it's a fast swing. It's It's got so much torque in it, but it does not look like Christopher Morell is swinging out of his shoes the way Javier Baez always looked like he was going to corkscrew himself into the ground and like just like, you know tear his back apart, trying to swing the bat. Morel does not look that way. The the power is easy and the ball just jumps off of his bat in ways that are so impressive. And that, if you've not watched that home run, it's up on Cubs Twitter. You should go take a look at it. That's two home runs now for Morel in three games. I feel like he is heating up. I mean, when we get to hot bats, he's definitely going to make an appearance again. And I, you know, the Cubs need Morrell and probably two other guys to step up and, and get some stuff done. I, I thought it was a fun game at Wrigley, even though it was rain delayed and the weather was terrible. And if you were sitting on the first base side, uh, especially up in the 300s, it was miserable for that for most of the game. It was funny. I was listening to the game on the radio and towards the end, uh, Pat Hughes said, and for the people that have stuck it out here at Wrigley Field, bless their hearts. 
And I was like, you know, but that's like, bless your heart is such shade to throw, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, especially from the South. And I, I was going to say, yeah, they it's Midwestern shade. It's definitely Southern shade, though. Yeah. Yeah. Bless their little hearts. And, <laughs> and I thought that was like a little shady. I mean, Pat's got to know. Maybe he does it. I don't know that that's shady. But no, I was impressed with all you guys out there. I um, I had a ticket to go and I didn't go. So, you know. I wasn't going to miss the, uh, we got this. This is one of like two times where I bought my tickets directly from the Cubs. It was the pride night. Um, they were doing the pride Jersey giveaway, which Danny, I'm curious what you think about this pride Jersey for the Cubs. I mean, it is cool. It's got, you know, like it's black. It's got like uh rainbow pinstripes on it. And it says Chicago with a blue, like little cubby bear uh, with some rainbow lettering. It's, it's a very cool looking Jersey. And also I would like it better if it were the Cubs, actual jersey that they wear all the time with a pride logo like with like the rainbow logo like what the cardinals did and what the red sox did and, and you know it pains me to say that the cubs should do something like the cardinals but honestly when the cubs are making their pride jersey like some random throwback from the 1940s that no one has ever seen before i don't know that that seems a little bit like just do your normal jersey it's great <laughs> yeah i mean p- people seem to like it uh I, I don't know. I, I find a black Cubs jersey like that a little bit weird. Like, I don't know. Maybe they're overthinking it. I, I did not know that it was supposed to be a throwback jersey to another time. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of weird. Like, the I also thought, thought that those players weekend jerseys where they were just black and white, that those were weird, too. Um, I, I don't know. The, the Cubs are the Cubs are not a black team. Like the White Sox are the black team. Exactly. So having a black pride jersey doesn't really scream Cubs. And this is from coming coming from somebody who owns tons of black Cubs clothing. The new Bleacher Band uh, Bum Band shirt that's for the album, the shirt in the album, that is a black shirt. I like black shirts. Um, but I don't know. The, it, there's something, about, and I have, I have a few black shirts, but this one was like. Not really my thing. I wouldn't wear it, but people seem to like it. So I'm not going to say anything about it. You'll, you'll wear yours, right? Oh, I'm going to wear mine for sure. I did not wear it yesterday though. Uh, and we can talk about this on the flip side because we're coming up against a commercial break and we have two more games to cover um, plus some other stuff to talk about. But um, yesterday I wore uh, Kelly green and gold, um, which in my case meant Notre Dame gear. Cause that's what I have that happens to be those colors. But I was doing that in solidarity with the Oakland athletics, but we'll talk about the Oakland athletics, the reverse boycott, what went down in Oakland last night uh, on the flip side. We will also finish previewing this Cubs pirate series, but first a quick break. All right, we are back. Um, Danny, before we get into previewing the rest of this Pirate series, which admittedly the Cubs kicked off in style and did exactly what they needed to do, do got to do it again, or else your season could be over before uh, it even gets start- truly started. Um, what's going on in Oakland is really shameful. We've talked about it here before. John Fisher has basically tore down the Oakland Athletics to the studs. They sold a ton of really great talent for not very good returns. Um, in an effort to lose baseball games, he's been in a fight with the Oakland, the city of Oakland, because he wants the city of Oakland and the taxpayers of Oakland to build a new stadium. And when they refuse to do that because publicly funded stadiums are boondoggles that should not exist, uh, he basically said he was going to take the team to Las Vegas. And now there have been multiple deals um, that have been announced about 
deals for John Fisher and the A's to move to different locations in Vegas. There is currently a legislative debate going on in Nevada, uh, and there's some great follows on Twitter that I've been retweeting um, who are covering those hearings because it doesn't really seem like Nevada is all that gung-ho to build the Oakland Athletics Stadium either. There's a there's some resistance from Las Vegas on being the people who are going to just shell out hundreds of millions of dollars to a billionaire um, to let him basically major league the Oakland Athletics, man. And so um, the fans have been boycotting all year. They have not been showing up to the park. It has been crickets uh, in the Coliseum. There is a possum that has taken up residence in the visitors broadcast booth, as we heard from Coomer and Pat Hughes when the Cubs uh, played the athletics earlier this season. It's it's bleak over there. But last night, Oakland fans did one of the greatest things that I've ever seen in my life, and I love them for it. Um, they staged a reverse boycott, which meant that they packed the Coliseum. There were 28,000 fans, all in Kelly Green, uh, many of them wearing shirts that said sell that were created by the fans as a fan giveaway in the parking lot. And they had coordinated chants throughout the game where they would chant, sell the team. They would chant various things about John Fisher. They had a moment of silence at the top of the fifth inning. Uh, that was one of the, honestly, I, I had chills. And so yesterday I, I wore green and in solidarity with Oakland. And this is just trash. I hate it, man. Like major league baseball should not let this happen. What do you think about the A situation? I mean, I, I just agree with everything you just said uh, the, about it being trash. And that the things that are coming to my mind when you talk about these publicly funded stadiums is that, you know, I walk by homeless people sleeping at bus stops every day, every day. And everybody does that in every single major American city and even some smaller American that you don't have to be major. There's there's a housing crisis going on based upon uh, lots of reasons. But uh, housing is too expensive. The rent's too damn high, as uh, <laughs> that one New York politician used to say. And um, he's right. It's and it's gotten to this point where the, where billionaires are just constantly looking for us to make them even richer on our dollars like this and in in the boondoggle like you called it that you will all make even more money and i'm a jobs creator and this and randy and bs that they've been shoving down our throats has been proved to be a boondoggle that this does not bring jobs brings low paying seasonal jobs that you cannot live on Anyway, because there are minimum wage jobs that these are creating in uh, in Las Vegas. In fact, there are so many other ways to make money in Las Vegas. They might even have trouble getting employees because I'm telling you, I went to the the uh, when the Cubs played at the minor league stadium in Vegas. And let me tell you, this is not a this is not a well run operation. Any baseball stadium that they still have, you know, or, or that they already have. That's beside the point. The point is. You can't it's major league baseball is becoming the Exxon Mobil of America uh, now because they're allowed to just spill oil everywhere, screw up everything, gouge you at the pump, continue to make billions of dollars and then uh, cry poor every time uh, they they need some some money to do everything, you know, and it's just like. If you get if you can support expansion. Fine. But there you you if, if you can 
get a 31st team in there to Las Vegas, fine. But to move a storied franchise like the A's yet once again from a great city like Oakland because the crybaby owner wants money from the people to support his little billionaire baseball habit, I mean, it is, it's absolutely shameful. And they should – I mean, is he going to sell the team? He should sell the team. They should sell the team just move and it? keep the team in Oakland. Um, but there, that really doesn't seem like what they're going to do. And I think the part of this that really frustrates me that I wish I had a way to like raise the stakes on. And I just don't know that there's any mechanism for holding billionaires accountable in MLB at all. Um, or anywhere or anywhere. But you, you know, you could not be on baseball Twitter last night and miss what happened with the A's. Everybody who could be at Oakland who lives close to the city was there um, tweeting the crowd, showing the chance, showing what was going on at the game. The players, the manager, they supported the fans. They appreciated what happened. The, the A's beat the Tampa Bay Rays, the story Tampa Bay Rays, who we were just talking about, who are like the greatest team in baseball this year. For the second straight game, they have won seven in a row. And that is historic in and of itself. No team with a sub 200 winning percentage has won seven games in a row since like the 1800s, according to a tweet from Sarah Langs this morning. But the part that is shameful to me here, and admittedly, I have not had the network on this morning, so I don't know if they covered this in like MLB Central or anything like that. But I went over to MLB.com this morning to see what stories were up on MLB.com about the Oakland Athletics. And they've got the note about the historic win percentage, like no teams won the seven game series before. And they've got something about Brent Rooker saying the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee is haunted. And that's it. And I don't know how you can be a credible sports organization covering baseball and not spend hours covering what the fans put together in Oakland yesterday. It is shameful. It is trash. I can't imagine um, supporting this as an organization. I don't know why the other owners and Rob Manfred don't see that this is not the way for the future of the sport to go. And I, and I am fearful and believe firmly that they truly think that it's in the better interest of the sport to hold firm on these like public funded stadium deals and make taxpayers shell out money. So billionaires can eke out more profits than to be accountable to fans. And honestly, I that's that just I we think get, that's going to lead to the slow death of the sport. Look at Reinsdorf's sweetheart deal. You know, I mean, look what he's got going on the south side. He doesn't pay, he doesn't put out competitive teams at all, and he just prints money hand over fist. Look at the Pirates right now. Only when they get enough young talent that decides to overachieve for a, a moment in a in a crappy division, do they uh, even sniff first place? Like, you know, the fact that there's no salary floor in this league to provide parity is just idiotic because you've got the haves and the haves nots. And you need like, for example, like the Cubs are a major market team with very little star power on their team. Like they just don't have it. Nobody's emerging as a superstar of the sport. Who's the hall of famer on this team. Doesn't exist. Does not exist. Other teams have that every year. They have an induction ceremony. They're rarely Cubs. And the and like the last player to play for the Cubs was probably Dawson, I want to say, Sandberg, like that era. They just don't believe in it anymore. Like they don't, they want to like do just enough with enough uh, good guys. And that's how the Reinsdorf operates. And to, I don't know, they, they, 
it makes me crazy. I know this is a fit. Oh, I know they're just trying to turn a profit. Well, you know, at some point it's the t- scales have got a tip and that the, pro- the unprofitable teams, they've got to be cut or something like relegation, or I don't know what the, there's, I mean, there's not even enough talent right now to fill a major league team to fill 30 major league teams. And yet they're talking expansion yet. They can't fill Ray's stadium, even though the best team ever, like there's so many displacements in the market that it just seems like a, a pretty poorly run business. They need to lose their um, monopoly clause or something like that, because it's a, it's an old boys club. It is. And it and it's like it it does a disservice to the sport. They don't even like their star players. They won't promote them because then they'll want more money. Did you see the the article about that they want to limit uh, the, the use of technology or, or like the limit teams? I forget how it was. They, they want to limit the technology that either they'll be able to use or the amount you can spend on technological yeah. solutions. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy to me. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Our budget for this uh, just tripled in the last two years since uh, AI got good. So uh, we need to dial that back. You know, I, daddy needs a new yacht. I mean, one of the things that's going on there, there are just some teams who are more willing to make that investment than others. And those teams then have a competitive edge. And it's like, if you're not willing to invest in your franchise, you're not willing to invest in your players, having the best data available, you're not willing to invest in your stadium. And you're not willing to invest in making sure that there's not a possum living in the visitors broadcast booth. That's on you, right? Like you have billions of dollars, you would never treat any other business that way. The old they're doing it to, as you said, extract more money from taxpayers. And I agree with you. It is part, part, part of the reason they can do this is because of the antitrust exemption. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for the long-term health of the sport. And I wish that the billionaires standing in solidarity with John Fisher had half the moxie of the fans who were standing in solidarity with their city and their team in Oakland last night. And I want to believe in a world where tens of thousands of people matter more than 30 rich dudes. And I don't think we live in that world. And it's really sad to me. I will. Millions I just of people. millions of people, uh, It you know, it, we've got the numbers and they've got the power. I mean, this has been, you know, this is, this is a freaking Woody Guthrie song from way, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and I sold my soul to the company store. Like, you know, what, what are we doing here? It's like, no, it, it's it's infuriating. And, you know, I, I don't I know this isn't a political podcast, but like, you know, they're like, hey, keep politics out of sports. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to raise money for for Trump's campaign at Wrigley Field. And we're not supposed <laughs> to say nothing. And I'm like, well, screw you. You know, you want to keep it out. You keep it out. But then you got to abide by those rules, too. Oh, uh, keep politics out of sports. But we want the taxpayers, the federal government who were trying to destroy it every other juncture to pay us all the money the only the reason they want it is to print money for them yeah and keep and you know and keep their little debt world going because the rest of us would be hauled before the magistrate and with some settlement against us to pay a thousand bucks a month absolutely and so i just i mean i think the only way that we win is if we keep standing together as much as we can anything you can do to support oakland do it if you're a tweeting type uh go check out twitter today check out hashtag reverse boycott there's a ton of what great content do, over there. What? Do, how should we reverse boycott the Cubs? 
Well, I don't think we're at the reverse boycott the Cubs point yet. I think that the I think that the Cubs are nowhere near uh, the disaster that the A's ownership is. But I also think that that's kind of an indictment on the sport, right? That like the Cubs have decided to purposefully put out a mediocre product and hope that they can win a wild card spot and rake in as much cash as humanly possible while not paying the players what they are owed of the proceeds that come from Wrigley Field. And that's just as bad and just as bad for the long-term health of the sport. What you were talking about with Reinsdorf and the White Sox is the exact same thing. Neither of those teams has any excuse for not paying out big money contracts that you are major market teams and one of the best media markets for sports in the country. Um, But they've decided that they can just, you know, middle in bad divisions and, and try to like eke out wildcard wins here and there. But what's happening in Oakland is truly shameful. Uh, one last note on the Oakland thing before we preview the rest of these Pirates games. I just saw on Twitter that yesterday's BART ridership, which is like the, it's like the L people. It's like the CTA. It's like the Metro, whatever subway system you use in the Bay yeah. Area, it's called the BART. Yesterday's BART ridership was the second highest since March of 2020. Uh, it was eclipsed only by the Warriors Championship Parade, and it was mostly rooted in Oakland. Sweet. I mean, Oakland, by the way, that's a pretty rich city, too. You're right there in the Bay Area. There's a lot of money out there. So if you're telling me you can't figure it out how to do it uh, and get there's a lot of people live there. Big baseball fans, rich tradition, you know, so people I, I think this is the perfect way to uh to reverse boycott is show that we would have been here this whole time and we would come back sell the team to one of those tech bros you know get one of those new newfangled billionaires who got out of bitcoin at the right time and sell him the team and um then uh, maybe they could stay but i don't know yeah it's like there's a shortage of billionaires to buy sports teams in silicon valley yeah give it to mark cuban they won't. And there's another example of the monopoly. They won't even let Mark in. Right. Because they know that he would disrupt the economics of the sport more than Steve Cohen has, which frankly would be good for fans and good for players and good for baseball. Other things that would be good for us as Cubs fans would be if the Cubs could continue their winning ways with the last two games of this pirate series. And Danny, this probable pitcher situation is a little bit wild. Uh, the pirates didn't have any pro- probable pitchers listed for Wednesday and Thursday's game yesterday when I looked, but it looks like somebody named Osvaldo Bito is pitching tonight. Uh, they have not pitched so far this season. I can't tell if this is an opener situation or something else. And it looks like our friend TBD is listed for Thursday night's game. Uh, what can you tell me? Um, Osvaldo Bito will be going up against Drew Smiley. TBD will be going up against Marcus Stroman. These are obviously two games that the Cubs are hoping that two of their most dominant pitchers can continue to shove in. What are what are the Pirates doing here? And while you're looking, telling me about Beto, uh, I'm going to go look at the Rotowire probable pitchers grid and see if I can figure out who TBD is. Yeah, I'm looking up Os- Osvaldo uh, Beto right now, and I read from PGH uh, Pittsburgh Baseball uh, It's an article by Cody Putanko, and he says not much is known about him by most Pittsburgh Pirates fans. <laughs> So we bring up uh, Bido because the right-hander will make his major league debut Wednesday night when the Pirates play the Cubs. Uh, Bido from the Dominican Republic was signed by the Pirates in March of 2017 with a $10,000 signing bonus. Since being signed by the Pirates, he's been mostly a starter uh, with a career ERA of 440 and 529.2 
innings pitch, not exactly what you'd call eye-popping numbers, says the writer, Mr. Patenko. And he's got a slider and a four-seamer and uses slider 38% of the time. That's kind of a lot. The four-seam a little bit less than that at 36%. So he's like kind of a two-pitch guy and slider fastball. Cubs are screwed. I mean, what do you want me to say? Like, there's absolutely no way we hit this guy. Like, Yeah, this is exactly the type of TBD guy that gets called up. We're like, I, I just might as well give up this game. Drew Smiley better hope he throws a complete game shut, shut out in 88 pitches because that's how the Cubs are going to win uh, this one. It looks like the TBD for tomorrow, Rotowire is predicting, is our old pal Rich Hill, who I believe is my age, and I am north of 40, so. Yeah, Witch Hill still pitching uh, in Major League Baseball. Curveballs are timeless, I guess. Um, it's 43. Yeah, Rich Hill, man. Uh, six and five with a 4.23 ERA so far this season. How do you think uh, Marcus Stroman will fare against Rich Hill? I'm glad I have tickets to this game if that is indeed what that matchup's going to be because I got pretty decent ones uh, behind home plate. Oh, and nice. uh, I would love to see Dick Mountain pitch again. Um, I, I think I saw him back. What was it? Oh, seven, <laughs> something like that. It was been a while since Rich Hill was on the team. Maybe even before that, when was Rich Hill on the team? It was definitely oh seven, oh eight, right? Oh man. You're going to make me look this up. Uh, I'll look I, I should get tickets to this game. I, I don't think I have plans for Thursday night. I'd like to see Rich Hill pitch at Wrigley field yeah, again, 2005, six, seven, eight. And then they let him go. Now, he should have been on the Cubs the whole time, apparently, because and he got better, of course, when he went at, when he went everywhere else, yeah, everywhere, everywhere else, else he Baltimore better. got better. Boston got better. Cleveland got better. Boston twice got better. <laughs> the yeah. Dodgers pitch for the Dodgers for multiple years as a yeah. Cub. He has a 437 run, run average in the four years that he was with us. But overall, in 19 years in the bigs. 387. <laughs> so he's like, literally, he uh, he brought his entire career uh half a run down by playing for other teams <laughs> great so this is going to be the rich hill revenge tour we'll see how that goes uh hopefully stroman is up for the challenge the cubs bats who will hopefully get a crack at mr Beto and a uh, rich hill uh the hottest bats on the team are two guys who are not in the lineup every day which is so aggravating that i just can't even tell you as i look at this i'm like what are we doing miguel amaya has a wrc plus of 143 across 50 plate appearances in the last two weeks and change. Um, he's been great. And I think Miguel Amaya should get to play more. Uh, Christopher Morrell has uh, reestablished himself with that hot streak in San Francisco and keeping, get, keeping it going last night for his one at bat as a pit, as a late defensive replacement. Um, he has WRC plus of 135 over that same time period. And everybody else is kind of struggling a bit here. Mike Tapman's at 84. He's been good, by the way. So, like, like Mike Tapman's been good and is on the cold bat side of things, to put this in perspective. Nico Horner is at 80. Seiya Suzuki is at 75. Dansby Swanson's at 44. Trey Mancini is at 25. Matt Mervis is at 7. Patrick Wisdom is at negative 25. What are the odds some of these guys can get hot against Mr. Beto or Mr. Hill? Yeah, I'm looking up the Cubs numbers against Mr. Hill and Mancini actually has two home runs off of him is batting 375, three hits in uh, eight at bats, bunch of walks too to go with it. Um, Wisdom's got a dong off of him. So does Nelson Velasquez. But of course, uh, the Cubs refuse to let him be up here. And Miles Mastroboni time, don't you know? Um, 
So, uh, yeah, Beto is the one I worry about just because we never seen him. But, hey, we got so many young guys on the team. Maybe they have seen him, but it was in the minor leagues. And, um, you know, uh, Rich Hill, I mean, craft, crafty lefty from way back. I mean, I, that's the marquee matchup because Stroh's been pitching great, and I just love a good old Dick Mountain. Now, as far as – can we talk for a mo- moment about Matt Mervis? Because yeah, let's do it. Even though I don't think – that it's really going to do him that much good to go back down to the minors and quote unquote, work something out unless there's like a hitch in his swing or something that people are seeing that isn't good um, that he can work on down there. But um, uh, he, he really is like, he was one of the lowest numbers you just read off. And at some point, you know, we all came for Hosmer and he was Hosmer was way better than what Matt Mervis is doing right now. He just has been, you know, he just was like the numbers are, are saying that. And frankly, the Cubs haven't played very well since Hosmer has been off the team. And um, I mean, I, not saying bring Hosmer back or anything, but like uh, still like, you know, uh, how long are you going to let this Matt Mervis thing go? His the other guys playing is Mancini. He's not been great. Um, well, I think there's another option there. Bellinger. And I don't- Go ahead, for, go say say it. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Well, they already got him playing first base in the minors, and so I'm kind of thinking here that you know Bellinger when he comes back, the corresponding move is going to be Matt Mervis, and um, you're gonna. I don't mind Morell in center. I don't know why everybody says I'm crazy, and maybe it's it's just because I have a blind spot because I love him, but I either want to see him there or at third base, and they won't play him at third base for some god awful reason. So I have given up on that. But if you uh, got Bellinger over at first, and uh, we haven't seen it this year, right? He, has he been over there at all for the? No, he hasn't because he's been playing center because the Cubs didn't have a center fielder. But now it kind of looks like Mike Tuckman can be a center fielder, and so you could theoretically put Cody Bellinger at first. Um, I I sort of agree with you. I think that Mervis might benefit from everyday playing time, just a reset. Like I don't think he's going back to AAA forever, but I do think that there was a lot of pressure put on him and. Just giving him maybe, you know, a few weeks to get some regular bats, fix whatever's work not working for him at the moment. Uh, let Cody Bellinger reestablish himself. He is a guy who, unless the Cubs are super in the hunt, like unless the Cubs have taken over the division close to the trade deadline, you almost have to trade him. You don't have him for an additional year. And so um, it's one of those situations where, you know, let Bellinger get some at bats, let Mervis get some some consistent at bats, let the Cubs get back into contention and then make some decisions. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cause Mervis will be right back. Yeah. It's not going anywhere, but you know, this will be like a, this will be like when Anthony Rizzo went back to the minors with the Padres or like when uh, Ian Happ, well, no, Ian Happ went back to the minors for like an entire season. Cause I don't even know, man, but whatever was going on, not the Ian Happ, treatment but like Kyle Schwarber went back for a few weeks right like it's okay to yeah. go back to AAA for a few weeks at the start of your career yeah so but um, they, they got to do something I mean you can't just leave out there he's looking he's looking frustrated he is and I think that that's not good for anybody yeah the, the Pirates have quite a few hot bats they were quiet yesterday with the exception of Jack Sawinski but that does not mean that they don't have some other guys who can do some damage Brian Hayes has a WRC plus of 225 over the last two weeks and change like I said Jack Sawinski's been red hot 215 during that same time period, Andrew McCutcheon, 143 during that time period, who a uh, friend of the show, Ken Schultz last night pointed out, Jed Hoyer could learn something from the way the Pirates have had a little bit of a resurgence as they brought back Andrew McCutcheon to DH for them in the twilight of his career to celebrate his 2000th hit in the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, there's just a lot of like 
hey, bring back your guys and like let the fans be happy for a little bit and see what happens going on with the Pirates. That would be great there. You might have mentioned that on the last show too. Like it just feels like one of these situations where Andrew McCutcheon is a object lesson that the Cubs front office could learn. Rodolfo Castro has WRC plus of 134 over that time period. Connor Joe is at 116 and Brian Reynolds is at 112. Yeah, I mean, they've had a – I mean, the Pirates are not a good baseball team. Uh, they're they're mediocre, but they're doing more with what they have than the Cubs have been able to accomplish. They – overall, their offense isn't great. They steal a lot of bases. That's really where they've um, ex- exceeded, and they've got a good bullpen. So if they do have a, a lead at the end of the game, they've got some arms that can shut you down. They've got, you know, a, a good, you know, one, two, three punch at the end of it. But um, yeah, but as far as the bats go, I, I mean, you can't be too scared, especially when you, you're facing them with Smiley and Stroh the next two nights. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about our chances of making up some ground in this terrible division against this because I, I don't know that the Pirates bats are any match for the lefty righty one two that's about to come out at them. We're playing with house money right now with that Tyone start. And even though the Cubs refuse to win the third game of any series. Um, I looked this up, by the way, Sarah. This is a crazy stat, and I don't know what it means. But they have lost the last game of a series 16 times this year. Wow. And, and they are also 2-9 and nine on Sundays. It's like, what are you doing? It's kind of like a weird, like let down at the end of the series getaway game type of thing. Like, I don't know what they're doing either, but that is, that is not the way to success. You're getting on the plane. You're all sad. Cause you lost, you know, it's like, you want to get on that plane, like feeling like you just sweat. I mean, they don't sweep anybody and, um, except for Oakland. And that was a, lo- a while ago. It was back in April. So yeah, they've got, they need to figure out how to get that third game of the series, get that third out of an inning. That without Grandpa Lossie going to the bullpen, <laughs> you know, just let the guy finish. Um, yeah, well, hope, we're off to a good start. I, I can see the Cubs actually sweeping the Pirates and confounding this matter further. Yeah, well, whether the Cubs sweep the Pirates and confound this matter further or give up at the end of the series and push themselves out of contention in the division, you know, we'll be talking about it here at Cup of Cubby Blue no matter what happens. And so Danny, where can people find you, your takes about the series and what are you working on as the pirates wrap up a three game set at Wrigley? Well, check this out Saturday. The bleacher bum band is playing at output Wrigleyville. It's a, it's a little wing joint in a bar just North of Wrigley field on Clark, just a block. So you can walk it and we'll be bleacher bum band is releasing the new album out of left field, which uh, we'll be out on all the streamers soon. You can buy it right now at sunranto.com slash bleacher bum band along with our shalbum. But we'll be releasing that album on uh, Saturday at Output Lounge. You can show up. It's free. You can find uh, Out of Left Field at, I mean, just follow me on uh, Twitter at Sunranto. And then you'll see all this information because I will tweet about it incessantly. But follow the Bleacher Bum Band, follow Sunranto, and you will know everything that there is to know. Awesome. That sounds great. You can find me and follow my takes at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can follow the show and everything that we're talking about here at at Cup of Cubby Blue. We will be back uh, to preview the Baltimore Orioles coming to town for some weekend baseball here uh, later this week. But in the meantime, go Cubs, sweep the Pirates and make this division race interesting again. Till next time.